Would you open your Bibles to the book of Colossians? The book of Colossians. So after Romans and First and Second Corinthians, there's a set of four books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, go eat popcorn, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. And in Colossians chapter 1 is one of those amazing prayers. If you have a pen in your hand and you want to just take a note for a second, there, there are many prayers throughout the Bible, but in these four books, there's some outstanding prayers. When those moments when, when you don't know how to pray, you don't know what to pray, or, or like me, so many times when I feel like my prayers have just become routine. One of them is in, is in Ephesians 1, verse 15 through 19. Another one is in Ephesians 3, verse 14 through 21. Still another one is in Philippians, uh, one of my favorite prayers, Philippians 1, verses 3 to 11. But here the one, would you, from Colossians chapter 1, verse 3 through 14. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, Because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth. The gospel which has come to you. As indeed in the whole world it's bearing fruit and increasing. As it always does among you since the day you heard it. And understood the grace of truth. Excuse me. The grace of God in truth. Just as you learned it from Epaphras our beloved fellow servant. Wow that was a long sentence. He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the Spirit. And so from the day we heard, we've not ceased to pray for you, asking, here it is, Roman number one, that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Roman number two, that you may walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, bearing fruit, fully pleasing to him in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power, according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Look at this, would you? He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He has transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, in whom we have the forgiveness of sins, the very word of God. No, thank you, God. Thank you. And thank you uh, for um, joining me. I, I, if you didn't have a chance to catch those, I'll try and include them at the beginning of next week's notes. Those are some amazing prayers. Amazing prayers. I think that they will help deepen your experience of who uh, Jesus is. But over the next few weeks, we're going to be um, inviting you to catch a vision for the harvest. That there's no time, like right now, to enter into the fields, to be used by God, to move people from darkness to light, to 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 harvest the fruit that that, in some cases, for generations has been cultivated and nurtured. 
We'll look together at many different aspects of that vision. But I wanted to begin today, it's kind of a, a, a prelude, as it were, with an introduction um, to a vision for seeing people, right? It's a vision for people. And, and in particular, that that we see people around us. Now, I know that, that you're probably... Well, I've just stopped believing that people are different. I know that there's times when you're overwhelmed and your people quotient just gets overwhelmed and you just want to, you just want to get through the day, right? You just want to get to that place of refuge where you can be still and know that he is God. And darn it, if, if those aren't the times when, when God puts people in your path, right? Those moments when you're exhausted like Jesus after, after that journey from Jerusalem to Sychar, and and you just want a moment of peace for a second. I'd say that like Jesus just wanted a moment of peace. I don't believe that for a moment. I believe that the whole journey was for this express purpose of encountering this woman. But like you and me, Jesus was human. And he also experienced wisdom. And it would, in his humanness, have been easy just for him to ignore this woman. But he didn't. He didn't. And Jesus casts for us a vision for seeing people like he sees them. First of all, seeing people as they are, right? Matthew summarized the way Jesus looked at people this way. He said, when Jesus saw crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Why was the woman there at noon in the middle of the day instead of the morning when when all the other women would be gathering uh, water for their jars for the day and going back? She was there because she wasn't welcome to be there with anyone else. Because of her choices and the choices of others around her, she was no longer welcome in the community. She certainly was no longer welcome in the worshiping community, Right? She was isolated and alone, harassed and helpless, like like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus saw her. He saw her. Are any of your minds uh, recalling Genesis when, when Sarah had treated Hagar so badly, right? And, and rejected her and, and rejected Ishmael and sent them out in the wilderness and and they were starving to death. And and Hagar separated herself from her only son because she could not stand to watch him die of starvation right before her eyes, right? And God met her there. And, and, and she called the place God who sees me, right? You saw me. Many of you are um, are watching the movie series, The Chosen, and 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 it is a movie series. It, it, it is a, a a modern day interpretation of many of the events of the Bible. But one of the things that the series does really well is notice is notes how Jesus sees people, right? And he knows them, and he speaks into that situation. So so it's a vision for seeing people as they are, but not just as they are, for seeing people as what they can be, as what they can be. That's what I loved about, about Paul's prayer, right? He's, he's not praying about what they are or where they are or how they are. He's praying for what they can be. 
in, in Colossians 1. And, and at the end of that prayer, then he speaks of what, what can be. He says, for he has rescued us, now I'm in NIV, he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness, and he has brought us into, and the actual word there is restored us into the kingdom of God that he loves, right? While we're still in our mother's womb, God created us and invited us into relationship with him. Along the way, we made choices and choices were made for us that made us feel separated from that. But part of the purpose of Jesus Christ is to rescue us from the kingdom of darkness, right? Part of the purpose of Jesus Christ is to redeem us. And he's very specific here. He redeems us through the forgiveness of sins, right? He forgives our sins in Colossians 1, 13 and 14. One of the beautiful things that he does here is he restores us as well. No, the Old Testament was not written in Greek. And so whenever you are translating from one language to another, there, there is a danger that we'll miss something. And, but when the Old Testament was translated into Greek, it's called the Septuagint, right? When, when the Old Testament was translated into Greek, they used this word, the same word that translates um, restored here or or brought us into in the ESV, they they use that same word and it's used to describe the year of Jubilee. That that year, every 50 years, right? When everything will be restored to the way it was 50 years ago. Now, some of you are looking at me and saying, yeah, you look like you never left 50 years ago, right? Um, but think about that just for a second. Think about our world, our culture right now. Um, 50 years ago was a mess. Amen. Some of you were there. Some of us were there. <laughs> like that you. Some of us were there. I was in bell bottoms, I think, and, and printed shirts. Um, it was a mess. But oh my goodness. Not nearly the mess that we're in right now, right? Now imagine not just that we were restored to 50 years ago, but the purpose of Jubilee was to be restored to the way that God created us to be. How many of you would push that button? <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I have that red button on my desk, right? That, that little red button. It's going to be okay. Press the button. How many of you would press that button? Um, that's what Jesus does. He restores us back to the way that we were created. And oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's not, it's not the way we are or even the way we were. It's the way that we can be. When we live into the way God created us. So, so, in this, in this season where we're catching God's vision for the harvest, it is a vision for seeing people as they are and as they can be. But it's much more than that. It's also a vision for serving people. For understanding what they want. Isn't that amazing? I just really want to, those of you who are passionate about sharing Jesus with others, 
Take notes. This is like a primer on how to engage the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take note, right? He's at a well. She's got a, had walked up from the town to the well in the heat of the day, carrying a very heavy jug for for water, right? Didn't have a little plastic gallon milk container. She had a very heavy stone or pottery jug to carry this water in, probably 25 or 30 pounds worth of water. And what she really needed was to not have to come to that well. What she really needed was to no longer thirst for, for H2O, for physical water to temporarily satisfy her thirst. What she wanted and what she needed were very different things. And so Jesus understood what she wanted and gave her what she needed. She gave her love, right? She, he gave her love. He saw her, spoke with her, did not judge her, but gave her something so much more important. Does anyone remember um, many years ago now, probably seven or eight years ago, um, we did a whole series on truth and the importance of truth. And for probably 12 weeks, we explored this issue, which is so critical for our world today. Who would have thought back then, seven or eight years ago, that that truth would be so transient as it is right now, right? We had no idea. Who would have thought 2,000 years ago that we would be in this situation that we're in right now where there is no truth, or to put it another way, truth is what everyone, anyone thinks it is, right? But we know that Jesus came for a very specific purpose, and that purpose is recorded for us in John 18, verse 37. For this purpose... I was born, and for this purpose, I have come into the world. Right? We can think of a thousand purposes right here. And, and, and they're true about Jesus. For everything is true, and yes, it's in Jesus. But look at what he says. This purpose, I've come into the world to bear witness to the truth. He wouldn't do her any favors if he just didn't pretend, right, that she wasn't in the situation that she was in. He didn't wouldn't do her any favors if he didn't speak truth into her situation, right? I'm, I'm stumbling for a second because... Because of the world that we live in, a lot of us think that we have the truth. We have to be very careful here. We, the truth comes from the Word of God. We have to look at the Word of God for truth, not just our own opinions, right? As clever as they may be, Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. The Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4.15 challenges us to speak that truth. He said, wait a second, I think he said this is about love. It very much is about love, right? Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. What people really need is love. Critical part of that love is speaking the truth as uncomfortable or as uncultural, I just made up a word, as, as contrary as that might be to the voices that you're hearing around you. 
Love them enough to speak truth. It looks so brutal, doesn't it? Jesus says to the woman, go call your husband. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh, right? He's God. He understands. He knows her situation. What is he doing? Like pulling wings off of flies? What is he, what is, what is Jesus doing here? He's recognizing that until she overcomes that, that false truth in her mind that, that somehow she'll find love through a succession of men in her life, right? Until she overcomes that, that, that false perception of herself. Until she grasps truth about her situation. She can't come. I can't tell you how many times I've been involved in situations. Sometimes I'm aware of them. Sometimes I'm not. I just know that there's some deeper situation going on in someone's life that they won't share or have not shared, probably out of fear of judgment, probably out of fear of rejection. But but until they come and allow God to speak truth into that situation, they'll never be free. Until they come and release that through confession to Jesus. Not only the things that they have done, but the things that have been done to them as well. Until they release those things, they will not find grace and freedom. Jesus spoke the truth to her. And and though we don't have time today, though she threw up all these obstacles. First the religious one, right? And then the, the Hail Mary, forgive me for that, the... Um, the, the last gasp, what she threw up was, well, one day the Messiah will come. She's trying to get out of the conversation. Darn it, if the Messiah is not right there in front of her, right? If he doesn't say, I'm him. I'm him. Beloved, we're just like that woman, are we not? Jesus is face to face with us. He's speaking to us truth. And, and we, we try and hide behind religion and we try and hide behind even our blessed hope that one day the Messiah will physically come and reveal all things. And Jesus says, that time has already come. I'm here now. I'm here now for you. One of my favorite authors, no secret to you guys, is Tim Keller. And he just finds a way of of putting words into phrases that help me understand things. And he, in one dialogue on, on the issue of Jesus bringing the truth, he said, truth without love is brutality. Ever been brutalized by someone bludgeoning you with truth? Um, but not an ounce of love in that. But love without truth It's just an act. It's hypocrisy, he said. And, and the, one of the great, we're, both of those are great dangers in our culture right now that, that people will brutalize one another with the truth rather than genuinely loving them or, or that will, in our attempt to love them, we won't speak truth. And Jesus was so good at both. He loved them enough to bring both. Give them what they need. Give them love, but also give them hope. Give them hope, right? Probably one of the reasons that this woman was so far down that rabbit hole of condemnation that that she had been living in, right, was because she had no hope that things would be any different. My heart goes out to those of you here in the room or maybe online who are in a situation physically, emotionally, or even spiritually where you feel like you have no hope. As long as there is Jesus, there is always hope. Amen? Christ represents hope, right? 
And, and what he came to do is not only to love us, but to give us that hope that no matter how bad it seems right now, no matter how dark the night right now, there is always hope. The Apostle John, who shared with us the story of the woman at the well, in one of his letters to a church wrote these words, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Because we shall see, there that word, we shall see him, just as he sees us, right? We shall see him as he is. Look at this next line. And everyone who thus hopes purifies himself. She purifies herself just as Jesus is pure hope. Isn't that incredible? Hope. A, a, a picture of a, of a future blessing. Hope purifies. Give them love. As Jesus did. Give them hope. More than anything else. However you understand it, give them Jesus. Worship team, would you come on? Come on up for me. Give them Jesus. Are you sufficient? Do you have, you have the wisdom to understand the circumstances that they are in? You don't. You don't. You don't know that situation. You are not Jesus. If all you give them is yourself and, and your tweets and your Facebook posts, if all you give them is you, then they of all people are to be pitied, right? But, but if you can bring them to Jesus, if you can give them Jesus, then you will have given them everything. I have to pause for just a second. And as we studied this passage many times over the years, but even most recently, a couple of years ago, um, we noted that um, the disciples... uh, uh, did not understand. They didn't understand why Jesus had to go to Samaria, through Samaria, rather than going around it. They did not understand why he would practice, not practice what he preached and stay by himself at that well. They certainly didn't understand uh, as they went into town, got food, and came back. They certainly didn't understand why he was talking with that woman. They they did not have the ability to understand. A couple of years ago when we preached on this passage, we noted that in going to the village, they must have walked right by that woman. When they came back, they saw from a distance, uh, she saw them and whether they spooked her or whether she was just at her capacity to grasp the Messiah in her presence, she dropped her water bottle and ran into the village So she went right by them again. How many people, how many people do we walk right by every day, right? Some of them in our own families. How many people does God place in our path and we don't see them? We, we, it's like we, we never even connect with them. We don't see them. We don't, we don't share with them God's Truth and love. We don't, we don't 
serve them like Jesus served the woman at the well. I want to invite you into the harvest. I want to, I want to invite you to be God's person, God's woman, God's man in a world that desperately needs to see Jesus. I want to, I want to invite you to not only drink deep of the living water that only Jesus can provide, but put aside your hurt and your brokenness. Lay down the heavy burden that you've been carrying. I want to invite you to come to the end of yourself. Why? Because I think that when you do, you come to the beginning of who Jesus really is. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you for your word. It's so multifaceted, and I just look forward to joy with my sisters and brothers to going back to this passage and taking each paragraph, God, and drinking deep of the living water that it provides. But more than anything, Jesus, I'm so grateful because I am the woman at the well. I am the one tempted to carry the weight of my own brokenness and pain by myself. And like like a 30-pound water jar, you're just inviting me to lay it down, to trust that as, as I believe you and believe your words that I'll no longer need to carry those burdens, I'll no longer need to carry my own water, I will become a source of water that will bless not only me, but my family and my friends and my co-workers that should you tarry generations. So God, if it's possible, would you allow us even now to identify the burdens that we've been carrying. God, if if we've been secretly carrying them, would you grant us trust in one person whom we can confess that burden, we confess that sin to? One person who will say to us in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. God, if it's possible, would you allow us to come right now to the altar?